Hello, humans. Hello, humans of the world. It's me, Ellie Krug, with Ellie 2.0 Radio, speaking to you from the bunker in Eden Prairie, Minnesota. How are you? How are you? I am talking to you on Saturday, July 16th. Okay, yes, the show is is uh, taped. All right, but it's, you know, it's sort of live because I'm only taping it on the 15th, the day before. I mean, geez, the show is going to air in less than 24 hours. So I'm going to take that as, as pseudo live. And I'm just thrilled to be back to you because I know the last two shows you've had have been repeats, although the work is always good. Okay. But repeats out of our nearly 250 podcasts so far. Can you believe that number? Yes, I'm here and I'm thrilled to be with you. We have a great show too. The big interview is with a fellow named Mark Wilkening from Bridging. It's an organization that is a furniture bank for people in need, people who have nothing. And it's an organization that helps them furnish their places to live. Okay. And it's an incredible story. You're going to love the interview with Mark. He is such, his, his compassion is contagious. Okay. All right. And in my C block, I'm going to talk with you about an experience I had in Salt Lake City this week when I trained a hundred federal bankruptcy judges. That's not going to be as uplifting, but it's an important story. I think that you hear, but here, present in our A block, where I am with you right at this very moment, I'm gonna, where I try and feature historical or present-day idealists, I want to talk about a man who has created something incredible, something aimed at benefiting children and youth or anyone else looking for a father figure. I'm talking about a man named Summer Clayton. And if you get my monthly newsletter, The Ripple, and if you don't get it, will you please go to elliekrug.com and sign up for it? But last month in the June Ripple, I featured Summer Clayton um, and his work. Who is Summer Clayton? As reported in a CNN story by Faith Karimi, okay, K-A-R-I-M-I, uh, Summer is a 26-year-old fitness trainer at an Air Force base in Mississippi. He's not in the military, but he goes to the base to... Uh, help with fitness needs for the service members. And what happened was that Summer fell into the idea of creating how-to videos on TikTok, such as how to wash your car or how to do laundry or how to shave. I mean, they seem like relatively basic things, but if you don't have a father figure in your life, and, uh, and by the way, there are a lot of moms that fill the shoes of fathers. I want to make sure that everyone understands that. Okay, I don't want to be marginalizing of single moms, okay, because single moms are incredible. All right, but but some some people crave a father figure, okay? And what ha- what's happened is that this 26-year summer, Summer Clayton, has started to fill the shoes of father for a whole lot of people. You know, and I'm telling you about Summer because of something else he does, all right? Because he has become known as dad to his 4 million followers because of his videos that he titles Dinner with Dad or Breakfast with Dad, where he sits and talks to the viewer, asking them about their days. So so uh, picture this, okay? A man uh, who sits down at a table. He's got some food in front of him, and he, he pushes it towards the camera because he's serving you, the, the viewer, and then he starts talking to you, okay? He's usually got two plates of food, one for you and one for himself, all right? And then he starts to eat off of his plate, and then he starts to engage with you in conversation. And in the course, he offers advice and caring. And uh, Brett, my producer, is going to play a clip right now to give you kind of idea what he, what, uh, what the, to, to lay it up for you. Uh, Summer is sitting down with chips and hummus, okay? And here you go. I'm telling you right now, I'm going to eat this whole container of hummus. You need to help me out. How you been? Okay. You ready for the week? What is one thing that you are nervous about for the week? Okay. I get that. Even though you got a whole week ahead of you, try not to take one every day at once. Go one day at a time, all right? That's all you can handle. 
all anyone can handle, all right? What is one thing you are pumped about for the week? Besides Friday, you can't say Friday. Nice. Hey, you got this, all right? It's a new day. Take some more chips. I love you. Yeah, that's, that's how summer operates. Okay, it's a one-sided conversation, but you can just imagine that the viewer is speaking back to him, particularly if it's a if it's a child or a youth. Can you imagine that? You know, Summers, he's doing <laughs> wonderful parenting, by the way. You know, and the comments on TikTok, okay, just for that video that I just showed you, the comments were one one person wrote, I'm crying. Another person wrote, I wish my dad talked to me like this. Think of the modeling that he is doing, helping parents, okay? Uh, the CNN article um, about Summer um, cites how people of all ages are learning from his videos. Here's an excerpt from the CNN uh, article, and so here we go. Uh, quote, Bogar Lopez, 33, of Fullerton, California, came across Clayton's account two months ago. Now he gets notifications to make sure he doesn't miss any future posts. Lopez has a 16-year-old daughter, and he started asking her the same questions that Summer asks. Quote, his, his videos almost always bring me to tears, Lopez says, and it's not because I have a bad relationship with my dad. I can just genuinely see that he is an amazing person. Whenever he posts a video and he's talking to us, having a one-on-one, -on -one, asking questions and listening to us, I feel like he's right in front of me, caring about me, unquote. And it's true. Summer's videos are filled with compassion and with caring. And in this time, come on, everyone, in this time, we are thirsty for compassion and caring. And the idea that someone, even a total stranger, cares about you. I mean, and, and you, all you need to do is like watch one or two of these videos and you know that this is genuine, that this man is speaking from his heart. You know it, okay? And we're collectively hungry for people and words that will comfort us, aren't we? Especially in this time right now, this time of fear, this time of division, aren't we looking for people who can help us get past that, who can, who, can, who can talk about the goodness of humans? And by the way, remember my saying, right? Everybody, you know, long-term listeners know so it's coming, right? 98% of all people have good empathetic hearts, 2% total sociopath, but the other 98% are good, good people. They are. Uh, the, the CNN story relates that at any given time, Summer has 3,000 direct messages from his followers. Think about that. They're asking for advice or telling him how much his videos mean to them. That's a bit of pressure, of course, on Summer. And of course, he can't respond to everyone. I think the idea that he's come up with is brilliant. Rather than try and every week or every whatever he does the, the video, try and find someone to have a conversation with. He just goes forward and says, I'm going to do this. I'm going to act as if we're having a conversation and I'm going to share what I would say in that conversation. I, I think it's brilliant. I'm kind of jealous that he came up with the concept. Um, it began, by the way, when the pandemic started, right? And so his very first TikTok, now remember, he's got 4 million followers on TikTok. His very first TikTok wasn't until early 2020. So he's somebody who, who has just used his imagination. It's clear that he's an idealist, very, very clear that he's an idealist. And he's decided to allow compassion and his heart to guide this very, very important work. Now, what do you want to find out? Do you want to go see these videos? All you have to do, okay, all you have to do is Google Summer Clayton, S-U-M-M-E-R, Clayton, C-L-A-Y-T-O-N, and his videos will come up. And you don't have to. Uh, uh, listeners like me, you know, a little bit on the older side, okay, you don't need to have a TikTok account to see his videos, okay? All you have to do is just Google his name, and all kinds of videos will come up.
and share about them, will will you? Let other people know about this Clayton person, okay? Let them know, and and you you can go find the CNN article. You just Google CNN Clayton, uh, Summer Clayton, okay? Um, Or, you know, you can uh, send them my newsletter because I featured him in the the June issue of The Ripple. Okay, all right, well, listen, um, we're going to take a break, and then we're going to come back, and uh, we're going to do the big interview. You will love the big interview. Trust me, it's about an organization that is helping people in an incredible way, Um, And it's executive director, Mark. He will just fill your heart. Trust me. He will fill your heart with hope and with goodness. Okay. All right. We'll be back in a bit. Um, If you like what you hear, visit my website at elliekrug.com. Follow me on Twitter. It's at elliekrug. And, you know, by the way, email me because I love to hear from my audience members. I do. Email me at elliejkrug at gmail.com. Tell me what you think about the show. Tell, give me ideas. If you know of somebody that you say, hey, Ellie, I think you should have this person or organization on or you should feature them in the show, please do because I'm always looking for, I need help. I do. I'm always looking for leads. All right. We'll be back in a minute with the big interview. Thanks. And we're back on Ellie 2.0 Radio. All right, we have for the big interview, we have uh, an interview I'm incredibly uh, excited about. We have Mark Wilkening, who is the executive director of Bridging. It's an organization that is, um, in essence, a furniture bank for people who lack the resources to acquire their own furniture. Mark, are you on the line with us? I am, Ellie. Thank you so much for the opportunity to share our important story. Oh, well, thank you for being here, and thank you for doing what you're doing with Bridging. Tell us, if you can, let's uh, give the audience, first of all, tell us what the organization does, and and um, give us a little bit of background about how, it, you know, how long it's been in existence and how it operates. You bet. So, uh, easiest to say our mission, and our mission, Ellie, is to empower people to thrive in their homes, by providing quality furniture and household goods for those pursuing housing stability. So, in essence, we are, as you said, a furniture bank uh, with that. We collect donated items from the community, and we redistribute them to those who are needing them in our Twin Cities community. A little bit about the history. Bridging began in 1987, and I'm proud to share that the founder was an amazing man named Fran Heitzman. Fran was an entrepreneur uh, in his career. He had started a couple of businesses, and he was actually uh, working um, in retirement as a maintenance uh, person uh, at a church uh, in the western suburbs. And one day, uh, a couple brought in a piece of furniture to the church that they no longer needed. And they said, hey, Fran, uh, we no longer need this. Could the church use it? And Fran said, you know what? The church doesn't have a need for it, but I'm going to find a home for it. So he called somebody he knew in a social service organization, and that person said, oh, my gosh, Fran, we would love that and anything else that you can get your hands on. And Fran, being the entrepreneur, thought, wait a minute, wait a minute. There are people in our community uh, who no longer need items like this, and there are people in our community who really, really, really need items like this. So let's bridge the two together and see if we could serve in this way. And that's when Bridging was born. Well, it's a wonderful – I mean, if you think about it, it's a pretty sim- simplistic concept, right? Um, but on the other hand, it's a very complicated concept because y- it's, you can't just simply have somebody drop off furniture at somebody else's house. You, you've got to have – you have two warehouses. Do I have that right? One in Bloomington and one in Roseville? You, you, are, you are correct, and you are so correct that it's a simple concept, and, and that's why we love – uh, that, that being our mission, um, but it's a little bit more complicated to execute with all of the logistics. And I, and I should share, too, going back to our history, Ellie, that um, the, the ministry was beginning to grow out of the church um, in the late 80s, and so Fran ventured out on his own uh, with just a dream of serving larger, and we became a um, non-church-based, non-profit organization in 1992, and that's when we landed in our first warehouse, in Bloomington, 
And then our next uh, warehouse we acquired um, in Roseville, and we started serving there in 2006. Wow. So let me talk about how the model works and how the process works. Yeah, that'd be great. That'd be we really are, great. We, we are privileged to work with more than 230 social service organizations in the Twin Cities community who are serving their clients. So they're working with their clients on a variety of items, and one is securing stable, affordable housing. And when you have folks who have transitioned and they're pursuing housing stability, and maybe they've been in treatment, maybe they've been in incarceration, um, other uh, poverty situations with that, they have nothing. Right. They have nothing in their new place. And so what happens is more than 2,000 caseworkers who are working with those agencies, they determine that need, and they make an appointment on Bridging's system for their client to go through what we call a shopping experience. We love for our clients to be able to select their own items that are going to go into their home. That dignity of choice is paramount in what we do. And so when they come to Bridging, the clients, they are paired up with two or three, we call them personal shoppers. Because if you think about it, we focus on a basic home setup. If somebody's just in need of a chair or just one item, those aren't the folks that we are serving at Bridging. We're serving those folks that truly need everything. And when I say what do we offer, we offer beds, dressers, kitchen tables and chairs, wood furniture. We offer linens, pots and pans, dishes, <laughs> towels, many of the items that are just you maybe take for granted in your place that right. other people don't have. And we walk them through the warehouse, and they get to select those items. And it's a little overwhelming because it takes about an hour, hour and 15 minutes. And can you imagine picking out all those items for your place in that short a time? So that's when our volunteer personal shoppers really come into play and help uh, show them the items and help them make decisions and choices. So, Mark, you used a word that is that I believe is underused in our society and needs to be used far more, and that was the word dignity. Dignity. You know, you said dignity of choice, and, and obviously this is you're, – you're giving someone who probably has nothing. You're, you're treating them like a human, Right. And absolutely, you know, and you're and you're giving them like white, really like white glove treatment, you know, the kind that you would get if you went into a, you know, to a retail store and somebody was trying to sell you something, you know, that kind of respect that comes with that. And and how how do the clients react to being treated that way? Well, I, I appreciate you calling out dignity. That is one of our values. And we don't like to talk about our values. We like to show people our values and have people experience our values. And I guess right on cue here, one of the things that we do, Ellie, and I'm going to share a note is, as I mentioned before, there's a lot of logistics, um, and I'll talk about some numbers and the breadth of our service in a little bit. And we want to make sure that we are focused on truly what this is about, empowering these amazing folks whom we are privileged to serve as being one stop on their journey moving forward. And it's amazing how often, whether it's through uh, a voicemail, um, through an email or a handwritten note, how often we hear from our clients showing their appreciation. So, so let me share um, a story here, and we'll, we'll call her Julie. Okay. A note that she, uh, she sent to Bridging here. And she shares, Thank you so much for helping me with getting furniture. This is my first apartment alone in many, many years. After living in a sober house for almost four years, I felt ready to move on and get a place of my own. I just recently got on SSI, and I had no idea how I was going to furnish my place. I was referred to you by the county. I was so excited to find out everything was going to work out. I slept on my floor for six weeks before I got my amazing bed from you. All I had was a folding metal chair. Now I have an apartment that's fully furnished, and it feels like home. I'm extremely grateful to everyone who helped assist me through the process. The people who walked me through the warehouse, the front desk lady, to the delivery guys, not once did I feel judged. Mm. It was as if I was at the furniture store buying furniture. I appreciate being treated with such respect. Thank you from the bottom of my heart for everything you've done for me. So I hope that Julie answered that question better than I could have by sharing her experience and how it felt to be treated in that way and not be judged. Oh, Mark, that that's just so great. I 
I'm really thrilled that you shared her note with uh, with me and with the audience. I mean, and it it really is. I mean, you know, my work as a diversity and inclusion trainer and speaker is about us getting past how we group and label other people, which in essence is also about judging people. And the fact that your team, you've got people who have compassion, people who care, obviously care about humans. I mean, thank you. Thank you for assembling such a great team of people. You know, um, it's just so important. Now, you're also, are you also serving families in addition to just individuals? Absolutely. Absolutely. In fact, um, uh, last year, I put in some statistics um, out there for you. We served 4,174 homes, uh, mostly oh. in the Twin Cities area. Holy cow. And That's a small town. And of that, <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, since we started, we're more than 105,000 homes, uh, which we have furnished. And we like to say we furnish those homes with hope. And, Ellie, you asked about families. Last year, just under 50% had families with children 17 and under. So, yes, we are serving. And, and I should mention the um, number um, of items that people receive is based on the household size. So that's kind of how it works. The larger the family uh, in the household, the more items that they're going to be receiving from bridging. Right, right. Now, Mark, you got me just totally excited about 100,000 households. That is a city. You know, that is just Thank you. unbelievable. And I mean, just let, will you let your colleagues know that I applaud all of them. I really do. And I applaud you, of course, but I applaud all of them for helping to make people feel as if they matter. Right? That's really what it's all Ellie, about. Thank you. I have to go back to our founder, Fran Heitzman. And I probably failed to mention that when he started bridging, he was in his mid-60s. Um, and he served uh, until just before his 95th birthday. Oh, my God. Unfortunately, about two and a half years ago, uh, Fran passed away. And one of the reasons I decided to come here, I believe Fran was about 89 at the time, <laughs> was I wanted to sit at this man's feet and I, I wanted all his love and care and compassion for people to ooze into me because in, at 89 years old, he was coming in. We're open six days a week to bridging, thanking the volunteers and donors, loving on the clients, just making it a more wonderful place. So all of the dignity, all of the compassion, all of who we are focuses back on that amazing idealist, Fran Heitzman, whom we were able to learn from, uh, to share life with, and we carry that on in his name. Wow. Wow. All right. Well, let's talk about two other things. One is what there is a, there are some minor fees that the, that the client or your customers have to fee. Uh, yeah. Pay. Is that yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. and then I want, I, I want you to also share how my listeners can donate. Okay. So that they, you know, I mean, I, we got right now, we got people that are in there. They're as they're listening to this, Mark, I guarantee you they're thinking, Hey, wait a minute. I've got that thing sitting there and it's doing no good. Maybe I can do some good with that piece of furniture. Okay, go ahead. I sure hope that they're feeling that way uh, with that. So thanks for the opportunity. Yeah, so we are an organization, as I mentioned, that, that serves a, a large amount in the community. And we are an organization uh, that does charge a small fee of $60 per household. Now, whether that's one person in the household or last week uh, there were 14 in the household, uh, whom we were privileged to serve, it's still that $60 fee. And I mentioned the agency referral. About 85% of those agencies uh, pay that fee for that client. And the average household of four is going to get about $1,900 in thrift store value of the items. And that fee goes us to help continue to sustain and grow our important work. Uh, the demand in the community continues to increase. We just upped our appointment level by 10%. And so those fees do assist us. And then if, if the clients do need a next-day optional delivery fee, we have a team of folks that will deliver uh, directly to their home for an additional $200 fee so they can get their items that way. Okay. And then I'm, I assume some so social service agencies also forward, front that kind of money as well. It's the same, and I should have used the same thing. It's about 85% uh, with that as well. Okay. And I want to make sure that I touch on the next uh, question that you asked, is how, how can your listeners be involved in our important work with that? 
Well, we, we tell people, first, first of all, we need your stuff. And when we, we love to give tours of our warehouse, and then I invite people to reach out uh, to myself via the website, bridging.org. We'd love to show you through because when you go through and you see all the different items that we have in our two warehouses, you'll realize that in your basement, in a storage unit, in your garage, you have these items that you think you might need someday, but you haven't used in years. And I can guarantee you, you'll probably meet people that day doing their shopping at Bridging that have never had those items, and they would be elated to receive them. So we need your stuff, but it's very important. I'm going to go back to the dignity uh, of that. The the quality of the items uh, needs to be either new or gently used. Because we are sharing these items with folks, we want to make sure that we aren't giving them junk. It isn't a place to donate your junk to get a tax receipt with that. This is a place to pass forward uh, your items that meant something to you that you want to make sure, again, are going to go to a place that is much, much needed. And you can drop off your items at one of our two locations in Bloomington or Roseville. Uh, it's on a, The information is on our website, but Monday through Friday we're open from 9 to 6, and Friday and Saturday we are open from 9 to 3. And if it's so much that we have to come out and do what we call a curbside or garage pickup and pick up the items for your home, I do want to let you know that there is a fee to help us with paying for our trucks and paying for our staff. Typically, it's $125 for that pickup, um, Ellie, but we are running a special right now. And if you get on our website, <laughs> the promo code is SAVE75. So it's only $50 uh, to be able to do that. And so we're making it easy for folks. We're getting some sustainability with the earned income. And, again, you can pass forward those items to help us. So that's definitely a way of engagement because, again, when you're serving that many people a year, and we'll serve more than 4,500 households this year, that'll be probably about 12,000 people with that. We do need your items. But remember that quality standard uh, that we have, no stains, rips, pet hair, or smells. Because, again, this is for wonderful people, and we want to give them wonderful items. Well, if it's got pet hair but it can be vacuumed off, I would assume that that would be just fine. Absolutely. Yes. And, yeah. and we would ask you to do that before you donate the items yeah. Yeah, no, uh, to I, one I, of I, our two I'm thinking about my golden retriever, Jack, and how he gets his hair over everything. But still, it's all in good condition. I was, I was privileged to meet him out at the Pride Festival. So, <laughs> you uh, did. That, that, that was fun. <laughs> That's where you and I met each other. And I did have Jack <laughs> with me at Pride and... That was quite the day for him because he was far more popular than Ellie Krug. That poor that boy. <laughs> there must have been fifty people that asked to uh, pet Jack on that day. So, all right. Well, Mark. Now, now listen. I want to ask you. Okay. Uh, first of all, I want to just tell you, 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 you in this interview have touched my heart. Okay. I just, mm. you are a great storyteller. Okay, but it's also very, very clear that. You care about humans, and you obviously care about the organization in in just a wonderful way. So let me ask you: What made you an idealist? I mean, and what were you doing before you 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 sat at the feet of Fran? Hmm. Uh, thank you for uh, thank you for your kind comments, and, and thank you for your question. Uh, with that, um, I'll start with the former, and then move to the move to the latter. You know, I, I think for me, it, it was the way that I was raised, Ellie. Um, I uh, had amazing parents. Um, in fact, my father is, uh, is still with us with that. And they were community-minded people. <laughs> they were kind people. They were generous people. And again, kind of like what I shared about the values, uh, they didn't have to tell much to my brother and I. They lived it. We watched them do it. And so that's, I think, really where I'd be able to experience volunteer work, being in the community. Uh, I thought I wanted to be a banker or an accountant uh, when I was kind of growing up and going through school. Uh, numbers came easily to me. My, my father was actually a banker. My brother's a banker. And I think wonderfully I got very involved in, in volunteer work. And it just, again, I hope, I hope I've given as much as I've received in, in being a part of this work. But I changed the trajectory of, of my career path, and I thought, wow. I'd really like to use um, any gifts, skills, experience that I have uh, to make this world a better place. I, I cut my teeth first with the YMCA, ah. and I like to tell people that um, we did a lot of camping, uh, of course, with the YMCA, and we were trained 
as uh, young staff workers that we were always supposed to leave our campsite better than we found it. And I'm born and raised in the Twin City. I like to think of the Twin Cities community uh, as my campsite. So I think my goal really became, and my, my passion and purpose in life is, how can I leave my, my campsite, hmm. the Twin Cities community, better than I found it uh, with that? So I became a career nonprofit person. Um, I've been more uh, than 30 years now in the, in the nonprofit, working with a few different uh, organizations. And so I've, I've been privileged to be able to put together a career in which I can help mobilize people to just make a difference in this community. Wow. Wow. You know, I'll tell you, um, Mark, I, I, you know, I ask just about every guest who's on here what made them an idealist. And it is consistent. Almost always what we hear back was somebody modeled it for them. Usually it's a parent, you know, or a grandparent, somebody close to them that 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 that, that person instilled in them, you know, the need to to try and make the world a better place. And I love your campfire, you know, metaphor. It's just it it you know, your campsite metaphor. It's just so so apt. Because really, you know, isn't that what idealists try and do? They try and leave the world better than when they entered it, right? I, I agree, Ellie. And I think one of the great things about Bridging and, and so many other amazing nonprofit organizations in our community, we can mobilize others, whether it's a staff, a volunteer, a donor, to come and do the same thing. Some people like myself, I feel very privileged uh, that I've been able to do this in my career, but Bridging has 5,000 volunteers a year, whether they're individual or group volunteers, wow. that help us in our important work. Wow. We have 34 FTEs of staff, and on a normal non-COVID year, we have about 37 or 38 FTEs of volunteerism. They are operationally, we are operationally dependent on our volunteers. And besides donating their stuff, we need people's time. Again, I always say, I'm not sure if I'll ever be able to retire uh, with that or even want to retire. But if I did, I'd want to be a shopper at Bridging. I'd want to walk <laughs> these amazing clients around and help them fill up their home with these amazing items that gives them hope in their journey moving forward. We have volunteer positions in our warehouse. We have an electric shop where anything with a cord um, or a battery that comes through goes through there to make sure that there's quality control and it's working if it goes on on our shelves so our clients don't have to worry about keeping it home and having it not working. When all these donations come in, we have sorters. At any given time in our building, we have 20 to 30 volunteers. Whenever I give a tour, I tell people, I'll tell you when I see another staff member because everybody that you're seeing right now in the warehouse is a volunteer. Oh, my gosh. And so, all right, so we have listeners. We've got less than a minute here, Mark. But if we have listeners that want to volunteer, again, go to your website, uh, bridging.org. Is that right? Correct. Bridging.org. And you can find out ways to donate your items. You can find out ways to volunteer. And lastly, we also need those financial donations. We're in the middle of a campaign we call Be the Bridge. Uh, we have a great $20,000 match out there helping us raise some funds uh, in the middle uh, of the summer for this one week. So we, enjoy, we invite your listeners to Be the Bridge, whether it's through financial donation, product donation, or volunteering to help us furnish homes with hope. Well, Mark, uh, I have so enjoyed talking to you, and I just wish you and your colleagues at Bridging the best going forward, okay? Thank you, Ellie. I have enjoyed this as much. I appreciate your time. I appreciate you and all that you do for our community, and thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Mark. All right, everyone. We've been speaking with Mark Willing, Wilkening, um, who is the executive director of Bridging. Go check them out at bridging.org. You can go check them Just type in bridging.org and you'll find it. Um, when we come back from our break, I'm going to do my, uh, I'll do my C block and talk to you about something that happened in Salt Lake City this week. We'll be back in a minute. Thanks. And we're back on AM 950, Ellie 2.0 Radio. That's me, Ellie. <laughs> Ellie Krug here. 
Okay, um, if you're not uplifted after listening to Mark Wilkening uh, from Bridging, I don't know what it will take because he was pretty incredible, don't you think? And please check out the organization. It, I mean, and 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 it's an organization before Pride Festival. I had no idea that existed before I went up to his booth, that booth at Pride, the Bridging booth at Pride. I had no idea at all that it existed. And think of all the other organizations that are doing good in our community, serving people. They don't get noticed, but they're doing good, important work day to day, every day. Okay. All right. Well, uh, we're in my C block and I talk about my work as an idealist. And so the reason uh, you didn't hear from me last week was I was, I took a vacation, believe it or not. Uh, (laughs) Hard for me to get away in part because of Jack. I don't like leaving him alone, but I had somebody come and stay with him at my house, a, a mentee of mine who did a great job while I was gone. Um, and part of that vacation was to go to see Thap. If you've read my book, Getting to Ellen, you will know that Thap is my very best friend of all time. Uh, I love that man um, like a brother. And uh, we've been best friends since eighth grade. He was the high school, or excuse me, the eighth grade football quarterback. I was a frontline guard. Okay. Long story, but go read the book. Um, anyway, I went to see him in Steamboat Springs and then some other pals that we palled around with in uh, middle school and high school. And, uh, we all converged on Steamboat Springs, spent several days there. And then I got in the car and drove from Steamboat Springs, uh, West to Salt Lake City. Incredibly beautiful drive, 370 miles, something like that. Oh my God, it was just the way the landscape changes. It, uh, it, you know, and of course I saw a sign that said no gas for 57 miles. That sign came after the last gas station. I, not before. At any rate, um, I was in Salt Lake City to train bankruptcy judges. I did this, you may recall, I talked about the doing this earlier this year in Nashville. That was covering half the eastern part of the country. So this was covering the western part of the country, had 100 bankruptcy judges in the room. And I went and I gave, I did my gray area thinking human inclusivity training, which is focused on how helping everyone to understand we're all trying to survive the human condition, getting past how we group and label people and we, and then we engage in, in, uh, in group behavior against those who are out grouping. It's, it's a, it's a uplifting training talking about uplifting uh, people love this training, but I'm telling you about this because, uh, the night before, um, the training, I went out to dinner with, uh, uh, the woman who sponsored me, who brought me into the organization and, and then with four other or four or five other bankruptcy judges had dinner at a nice Italian restaurant. One of those judges, bankruptcy judges, is a, is a black woman, and um, uh, and and very you know very attractive, very you know just 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 a, an incredibly nice person with a wonderful sense of humor. And we did a lot of laughing at the table and, and we just had a really, really nice time. Bankruptcy judges, by the way, I know that some of you have probably had experience with bankruptcy judges. They're, they're pe- real people too. Okay. And so I got to know them. And then the next day, so we're at this restaurant, the five of us, we were there a little bit longer because the service was a little um, challenging, but nonetheless, you know, we're there about two hours, maybe two and a half. And, and, you know, night ended, go back the next day, I do my training. And there's a component of gray area thinking um, where I talk about, I show how we all are attempting to survive the human condition about how we group and label ourselves. And it involves placing 19 signs on the wall with blue painter's tape. And I get everybody, uh, the signs have different identities, um, age, uh, you know, religious, spiritual affiliation, socioeconomic status, education, I've got a sign that says not good enough slash failure. I've got other, other signs. And then I get everybody up. So I'm, I get to order bankruptcy judges around and I give them prompts, you know, I go stand by a sign, you know, for this, the, the sign that represents what your parent or parental figures stress for you growing up. And usually they, a lot of people go stand by education, another fair amount, stand by family or, or stand under the, the religious spiritual affiliation sign. In the course of this, okay, I also ask the question, the identity that, uh, that uh, you have that other people use as a reason to judge or discriminate against you or group and label you. 
And when we usually do that, I mean, we have people all over the place. People are judged. They're discriminated against all the time for a variety of things. And, um, and the judge uh, that I had dinner with um, stood under skin color, which did not surprise me. There were probably maybe five or six uh, bankruptcy judges of color in the room. Not a whole lot, okay, but all of them, when we got to the prompt, the identity others used to judge or discriminate stood under skin color. And I asked people, do you want to share? I don't, I don't call on them, but do anybody want to share? And the, and the, and the, the African-American bankruptcy judge that I had had dinner with the, morning, uh, the night before shared. And she told something fairly incredible, for me anyway. And she said, you know, I had dinner last night with, with you, Ellie, and with a number of my colleagues. And she said, what I did not tell you during the dinner was that there was a woman across, you know, some two or three tables away from us who kept staring at me, who kept glaring at me during the meal. And she said, and then, and then that woman left and she said, I felt a sense of release. And then she said, another woman came and sat, another party came and sat at a table close to that one. And that woman, and these are both white women, by the way, glared at me, Ellie. And she said, it just so hurt. And I, I said, oh my goodness, I, you know, I wish you would have told us. I would have at a minimum turned around and glared back to be your ally. But she didn't because she has been taught, she's learned to just kind of, you know, take it, which is horrible. And that's what we do, don't we? We make people other. Just, we can just simply do it with a look. Now, this is a very successful woman who should have all the confidence in the world. But yet, skin color comes back. makes her feel other. I just wanted to share that with you. Okay. All right. I need to move on. That wasn't uh, an uplifting story, but it's an important story that we hear. Just even a look can cut someone down. Okay. Big thanks to my producer, Brett Johnson, who always, always a plus produ- production work. Uh, listeners, um, if you like what you hear, go visit my website at elliekrug.com. Between now and next week, when you hear me, and next week I'm going to be live, okay, on that Saturday, go out and do something good. Make the world a better place. Thanks so very much. Talk to you next week. Bye-bye. How long till my soul gets it right? Can any human being ever reach that kind of light? I call on the resting soul of Galileo, King of Night. And we're back. AM 950. Ellie Krug here. Ellie 2.0 Radio. Um... Todd Dorman, follow him on Twitter, or at least check check him out. Uh, all you have to do is Google Todd Dorman, uh, journalist. Uh, there are other Todd Dormans out there, but throw in the journalist and you'll be able to find out about him. And it's good for me as a former Iowan who misses and adores that state, but for it's good for me to know um, that he is there. All right, C Block here. I want to kind of talk about a couple of things. One is, uh, hey... I'm almost at the end of my year as a trainer and speaker about around diversity inclusion topics. Uh, by the way, outlawed in a number of states right now. Um, and uh, um, let's see, I think I'm going to end up with about 135 talks or events that I did this year. That is, in my book, way not enough. I would much prefer that to be up around 200, maybe 210. I really would. Um, because I only have so much time left in this earth, and there is so much work we have to do. Secondly, it looks like I'm going to be, mark your calendars, I'm going to be in Hastings on the evening of January 5th. You may recall in Hastings, um, been a big controversy about a school board member who 
lost her election, Kelsey Waits, whose child was outed as a part of the acrimony during the campaigning, outed as a transgender kid. This is an eight-year-old kid. Um, but I'm going to go to Hastings, uh, courtesy of the YMCA and uh, Thrive Hastings organization can bring me back. I've speak, spoken in Hastings before. I'm going to do it on the evening of January 5th. Stay tuned for more information about that. Although, yeah, stay tuned for more information about that. Lastly, I want to talk about giving, okay? I don't know about you, but I am, you know, I, I you know, I, it's not like a whole lot, but uh, at the end of the year, I start you know, making my list of things I want to give to. Okay. And sometimes the checks aren't very big. They might be 20 bucks, but I, you know, want to register some support in some way. So about two or three weeks ago, I was contacted by a social worker about a transgender girl. We're going to call her Aspen, Aspen, A-S-P-N-B, um, who is now in foster care. Um, uh, she's had a, a tough, tough go of it. But one of the things that Aspen B has found that, that has made a big difference to her is cheerleading. And unfortunately, the foster care system does not provide funds. You know, they have uniforms and apparently they travel and all of that stuff. They, and, and the foster, foster care system does not provide those funds. And this cheerleading is important to Aspen B for who she is. She's a transgender girl. She's 17 years old. And uh, I want to tell you about her, which I'm doing right this very minute. There is a GoFundMe for her um, to help raise money for her to be a cheerleader, okay? So she can afford the cheerleading expenses. And if you, all you have to do is Google, okay? Cheerleading expenses GoFundMe. That's all you have to do. Cheer or cheer expenses, C-H-E-E-R expenses GoFundMe. And Aspen B's um, uh, fundraiser on GoFundMe will come up. Now, she's trying to reach $5,000. Uh, there's a whole $360 in it right now. Uh, you'll see, though, that Ellie Krug uh, contributed. If you go there, you'll see that Ellie Krug contributed. And I would, I would, uh, I would welcome anybody to match that, okay? But um, please uh, consider that as part of your end-of-the-year giving, if you would. This kid could use that. And um, we are good humans, remember? Now, also, on the other, some more giving front, um, I need to make clear, okay? (laughs) AM950 could use your support. Uh, Brett and I were just talking a little bit ago. Um, There may not even be 20 progressive radio stations left in the United States. I mean, it's, it's bad. And AM 950, it's an AM station, but we have a worldwide reach because of the internet, because of of our blogs and all of that stuff, our podcasts. And so please consider giving to AM 950 as one of your end of the year contributions. Now, I don't think it's going to be tax deductible. Note that. but, But really, if you can give to this station, that would be really great. Um because we would appreciate that. Then finally, in the giving front, Minnesota Women's Press. Now, I have been a writer for Minnesota Women's Press for about two years, but Minnesota Women's Press is, you know, like close to 50 years old. It is the oldest feminist-led, feminist-founded publication in the United States. I bet you didn't know that about Minnesota Women's Press. They have had a tough go of it because of COVID. It affected their advertising greatly, as you might imagine, as it has affected a lot of other businesses. Um, and, and Minnesota Women's Press, is the, they're launching an initiative called Changemakers Alliance, which is about, remember, I'm, I'm a big advocate of we need to talk to each other. You know, those, you know, the red and the blues, we all need to start talking to each other. And they are launching an initiative to do that. Um, but they need your support and they need your support right now towards the end of the year. So, um, all you need to do is go to Minnesota women's press. You're going to see how, uh, and a way to donate, uh, to Minnesota women's press. I would urge you to do that. Yeah. Okay. 20, 25 bucks, whatever. I mean, if you do more than that, wonderful. But if you can 
can donate to Minnesota Women's Press, I would be very, very appreciative. And by the way, I write for them. I do not take a fee uh, for my writing uh, for them. That is pro bono. So just so you know, I just want to make sure nobody's like, well, Ellie, you're trying to, you're trying to get us to be able to pay your pay. No, no, I don't. I don't take a dime from Minnesota Women's Press. Just so you know. Okay. All right. Other than that, everyone, you know, um, we're getting to the end of the year. It has been a tough year. <laughs> 22 may be a whole lot more tougher. We need to be strategic. We need to be ready. So that means taking care of yourself. That means getting ready in terms of materials that you've read or you want to read, maybe getting some training, um, maybe getting a, a, a core set of friends who can be your emotional support. We're going to need it. We're going to need it in 22. I'll be here for you, though. I hope you know that. I will. All right. Well, listen, uh, that... that gives us another show. Okay. We're just a couple more left before the year's out. A big thank to my producer, Brett Johnson, who is literally a prince to work with. And I am so thankful for Brett uh, being part of this station. I got to tell you, you don't know how good Brett is. And to you, my listeners, I'm thankful for you. Um, please tell others about this show. Um, I would really appreciate that. Feel free to reach out to me at lejkrug at gmail.com. I love hearing from my listeners. But most importantly, between now and when you hear my voice next, will you go out and do something to make the world better? Will you do that for me? Thanks. All right. Talk to you next week. Take care. Bye-bye.